So, guys, for the hundredth episode, we have a special guest today. So, uh, <laughs> hi, Mike. Good to have you on the show again. How are you? My pleasure. <laughs> awesome, and you? I'm doing great. Thank you. <laughs> so, uh, for everybody who doesn't know you, Mike, could you please tell us a bit about yourself? Sure. I'm a currently a little bit hard to describe because I've been doing a lot of projects, but I'm a lawyer, author, journalist, filmmaker written everything from mindset to media critiques and made films about free speech, about the fake news media, and you name it, I've probably done it. <laughs> so uh, let's talk about your upcoming book, Audacity. So uh, could you please tell everybody what's the book about and yeah, share the story behind like why you wrote the book in the first place. So Yeah, so Audacity is... My next book, Audacity, How to Go from Nobody to Somebody. And the reason I wrote the book is because uh, most of what I learned, I had to learn kind of like the hard way. And I don't really believe in the whole idea that it's great to have failures. Oh, because if you never fail, you'll never learn. That's mm. what you kind of tell yourself to feel better, which is a good thing. You should tell yourself and you should learn from failures. But I would much I've won big and I've lost big and losing big doesn't make the wins feel that much better. Actually, winning mm. feels great on its own. And the book is a complete guide to everything you need to know about your mindset, business, all the stuff that I wish that I had learned years mm. and years ago. Yeah, and I think um, there's a lot of failure porn going out there, right? Like people like really talking about how great failing is and stuff like that. So share with us your opinion about that. So, Right. There's failure porn is a good name for it, which is, oh, my God, I failed and I love it. <laughs> fail and it feel good, feels good, too. And actually, no, most people can't afford failures. Most mm. people who say, oh, I failed and it was great. They don't talk about the financial cushions they had that insulated them from a failure. Most people, if you start a business, you can fail maybe once, and a lot of people have, but you're going to fail two, three, four times. Where is that cash flow coming in, mm. right? Just do the math. There's even a chapter in Audacity called Math. And the reason I call it math is because so many of the things you read online can be debunked with math. People go, oh, I've failed all these times for 10 years. I'm like, okay, well – If you failed for 10 years, let's do the math. You had to live. You had bills to pay. You were buying food. Where'd that money come from? Where, where were these? Oh, you failed so much. And the math just shows that most people are lying about, first of all, how many times they failed or they exaggerate their failures or they make one small failure look like it was a huge failure. And the truth is mm. failure, failure feels sickening. It's not fun. To, it's not fun to fail. And you, but but when you do fail and that's inevitable, you are going to learn lessons from it. But learn from someone else's failure. Learn from my failures. Mm. Learn. From, Scott Adams has a book. Learn from his failures and then don't repeat the failures. And that's the idea of writing a great book for people is to say, look, here's what I did. Don't do this. Go <laughs> fail some other way. Fail. You're going to fail <laughs> a new way. But don't. So, for example, one mistake that I made was I had a, a very um, popular podcast and then I left it and started streaming and I assumed that it would carry over, but it doesn't. Platform mm. people are very sticky. You think, oh, if I have 
you know, X number of followers on social media here, that'll convert to X number of listeners. No, it doesn't. People mm. like the platforms they're on. So if you have a really big podcast going on or you're focusing on your podcast, do your podcast. Don't think, well, now I'm going Great to advice. set my podcast aside and go build up my social media. No, don't. No, don't. That's a mistake, actually, because you think, oh, now I have 10,000 social media people. I'm going to get 10,000 podcast listeners of 5,000. No, you'll be getting mm. maybe 100. Because people like the platforms that they're on, there's a lesson to learn in that. There's a lesson to learn all. I mean, even if you look at like social media, for example, I'm not going to say it's overrated, but Brian Holiday doesn't really have a social media, right? He sells mm. it. Well, and he he's like very popular, right? Yeah. Yeah, he's got like a generic um, – his Twitter account will do like a generic link to a tweet, like a quote. He probably has it like auto-set. Oh, I'm going to quote the 48 Laws of Power, a Seneca, <laughs> or whatever today. He's not really that big. on. He sells a ton of books, though. Yeah. Why? Because he kept writing books. He keeps writing books. He, he's in that pipeline. So there's a lot of conversation about social media, the pros and cons. Is it good? Is it valuable? And people, again, they have to figure that out for themselves. But learn from – yeah, learn from the mistakes of other people. Like me, for example – my social media has been great, but I could have written three books in the time I spent on social media. I should have written one book, right? So mm -hmm. audacity is about a year behind. So just a lesson learned. You learn that, oh, I'm building this big platform out. You want to measure the outcome relative to what you're doing. So mm -hmm. people say, oh, I'm going to build my social media. Why? I'm going to become an influencer. What do you mean become an influencer? <laughs> I became one yeah. accidentally. And I and that's the kind of the lesson too of audacity is I'm 41, I was completely anonymous on the internet until probably 36 years old because I had careers and I didn't even want people to know who I was. I never wanted to be an influencer. Why? And I, I'm not knocking people who want to be influencers, but I never wanted to be, so I kind Why? of fell into it. Why didn't you want it to be an influencer? Sorry to interrupt, but because I don't really get the psychic gain out of it mm, so it's a the ego game yeah it's a dopamine thing and that's what a lot of people are chasing likes and i i like to help people i've gotten emails from people saying they were suicidal before they found my writing so it's a real impact you can have uh, as a so-called influencer but i was never somebody just saying oh i want everybody to to look at my pretty face or something like that <laughs> but then I realized more people would read the message if they saw that I was a real guy, was mm -hmm. legit. I'm not some you know anonymous faker on the internet. And I became influential accidentally. And there's just there's no book on it. There's no book where you can go. Here's the deal about social media. Here's what's a scam. Here's what's not mm -hmm. a scam. Here's what's to avoid. People are going to tell you. You know, all the promises they're going to make you, oh, I'll build your podcast or, oh, I'll blow you up or all of that's a lie. And but you can still do well, still still a great gig. But people should know people should know that if you want to start an online business, you're going to make less than minimum wage for your first year or two. That's why one thing I'm big on is you have a real job mm. and then you do the Internet thing for two or three hours. And in your real job, you make money and you save money and then you can pump it into your business I'll have people say, I'm 25, I'm going to quit my job and start a blog or podcast. No. Mm. Maybe when you're in your 30s or you have some kind of cushion. Again, though, that's math because people who – there's a whole cottage industry of people selling you 
on how to build a brand and they want you to go, go all in, show all your commitment. You don't even, first of all, you don't even know enough to go all in, right? If you brand, buy this card, <laughs> 1000 yeah. bucks. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And people say go all in, but if you're starting off, you don't even know what going all in means. You, okay. Here's 10 hours a day. Go work on your side project. You're going to be cruising the internet. You have no idea. You, you can, you know, podcast audio, you can figure that out and a, a day, right? You just watch mm-hmm. your video. Here's how to yeah. edit a podcast. Here's how to edit Audacity. It's not that complicated. And you're not going to be able to churn out content for 10 hours because you don't have enough life experience. And that's the e-commerce porn. Oh, buy my course, mm-hmm. put your job, drop ship. Again, it's all a lie because they don't do the, do the math. Or they'll have a good month or two and they only talk about that month. Oh, I made 20000 a month online. And oftentimes that's true, but they don't tell you, oh, but I bought 5,000 in Facebook ads and yeah. I made 2,000 the next month. It's like, okay, so you made 22,000 your entire year. That's what I mean by math is don't tell me, oh, I did a product launch and that's what my numbers were. Okay, great. But that's got to last you a whole year, right? If you have a big launch once a year, even if you do 50,000, which would be out of reach for most people, that would be a great launch. It's like, okay, but that's got to go 12 months. And They'll only show you that one month and uh, yeah. not all the costs involved. And I just want people to know the the truth about it. And mm. if they do want to do it, great. There's a full guidebook. Never been anything like it. Mm, yeah, and I think there's also like a big misconception out there that you need a lot of followers to make a lot of money. Like, for instance, I had one guy on the show, um, Martin Sanquist, and he's a billionaire and he has like, 200 uh, Instagram followers. So there you go. <laughs> and I know people that have like half a million and are that broke. So um, yeah, like people who are running Facebook ads and making money and um, people like in, in totally different vehicles don't make money uh, with, with social media marketing like at all. So I think that it's a big misconception that you need like two million followers and i think that you said in our last episode that you were making like a lot more money back then in 2015 when you were uh in, in vietnam and yeah worked on, on on your blog and stuff like that yeah niche blogs niche audiences are still still where it's at you find a, a very kind of dedicated niche even if you think like tim ferris he doesn't really have social media yes. right he's got that really big podcast but he doesn't have much of an Instagram. It's kind of a throwaway. A lot of those guys, they have, they'll have them, but they're, you can tell they don't put any time into it. Mm. Neil Strauss, you know, he sold God knows how many millions of books. He's got some Instagram that he posts a picture to every now and then. But they're they're spending maybe five or ten minutes producing content for their social media. Mm. So there, there's like one chapter where I talk about blogging is king. Number one, you can have is a blog that you own. Number one, most important thing in the world. That's where most of your time should be. Two, podcasting is queen. And then social media is way down the list. So Mm. are you – social media is a way to get people to your blog, to get people to your Mm. podcast. And you can't just say go to my blog because then nobody will reach your social media. You have to change it up a little bit. But in the real world or, again, going back to the chapter math, you have to figure out – how to spend your time. So I ended up spending way too much time on social media and not enough time on the blog. And then I've returned. What what do you mean by that? Like tweeting too much or like posting too much and on Instagram or what do you mean? 
Yeah, um, for me, you know, just posting too much on the internet or monitoring mm. too much social media, feeling like you have to be plugged in all the time mm. is uh, it's a problem. You would be, you know, figure eight hours a day that people spend on social media, which is a lot of people yeah. um, who aren't, by the way, monetizing or who aren't even influential. So for me, at least I can rationalize it. Yeah, they're wasting that time. <laughs> yeah, like, at least I'm like changing the course of human history. I, so it's, it's, I, I, in, in a way, it's like that's why it's easier for me to quit drinking than it is to lose fat, because to quit drinking, I just like, OK, like me. I went January, no alcohol, no problem. I haven't had – so I, what I do is I go off alcohol about 30 days at a time twice a month just to see, okay, you know, you should always have a – Twice a month? Arm's length, yeah, yeah. I do a month mm-hmm. at a time twice a year because you should always have an arm's length relationship with alcohol. If you ever – because me, it enhances my life. I enjoy it. It's relaxing. It's a net positive. But it might become a net negative. You don't know. Mm. And then you – so for me, I just – you just don't drink. But losing fat is harder because you still have to eat, right? Yeah. You, like, <laughs> True. you have to make choices all day. With alcohol, you're just like, well, I'm just not going to drink or cigarettes. I'm just not going to smoke. Mm. And with social media, like I do have to be on social media, but I don't need to be on more than two hours a day. I could be writing for another four hours a day. Or another mm-hmm. right, so that's just again how you want to look at it is how you're spending your time, getting the most bang for your buck with your time, getting the most impact for your time. That's the way people need to, to think about it. And you could still be on social, but again, the big guys, the really big best-selling authors, they're not on social media much. Why? Because they're writing a book, and they're mm-hmm. keeping their social yeah. media just active enough to keep it relevant in the mix. To remind people, because you don't want to disappear for six months and not have anything, because people mm. forget you exist, no matter how pop you are. So you remind people, oh yeah, you know, you can check my social media. I'm here a couple times a day. And then when you launch a book, people will be excited for it. That's again another approach. Now that approach might not work for other people. Some people do brand deals where they do travel, and so. But again, yeah. it's just about it's just about math, and it's just about how you spend your time and how you use your time. Mm, and I think also that um, a lot of people are like um, really uh, depending on their own like social media accounts because like for instance if you build like a huge 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 Facebook following what happens when your account gets banned and you have no blog you have no podcast you have no YouTube uh, no YouTube channel so I think that um, it's also really really important to to uh, quote unquote be your own media company because um nobody can can ban you from the podcast platform and unless you are like uh what was his name like alex jones so um yeah unless they really yeah so social media a lot of people just get tripped up in rules yeah. where there have been people banned for fake copyright strikes there's a thousand ways you can get banned from social media on bogus reasons. Mm, especially might, on Twitter. <laughs> yeah. This might change, but unless you're really a target of the media, then it's unlikely you're going to ban from your podcast. It's unlikely you lose your domain, your .com. Yeah. I mean, we're talking the, like Gab or something that's really attacked by the media, and there's been some really bad people who posted on the site – you know, that's the level you have to be at, at least now. But so your blog is the safest right now, mm. unless you're like total. Uh, again, Ann Coulter has a blog and she's very controversial. So 
she, there, there's still that space. But on social media, yeah, you could just make the wrong person mad one day and they decide and, to – yeah. <laughs> so, so Mike, please speak about the traps to avoid when people want to become success, uh, successful or want to make money online. Because I think there are a lot of traps to avoid. So, <laughs> please speak to that. Well, one is people think you're going to somehow magically make six figures your first year, right? <laughs> I'm going to make – no, you're not. Most businesses don't – this is what people have to understand is if you're trying to build a business online, math. It, it's a business. If you tell people, oh, I'm going to start a restaurant and I'm going to make $100,000 profit your first year, people are going to say, no, I mean, actually, that's not how the math of the restaurant industry works. Mm. This is not – it's just not the way it works. You don't – so $100,000, if you're on the internet, 80% of that, 90% of that would be profit. Unless you're buying a ton of ads, what do you need? Computer, microphone, headphones. Domain, you know, yeah. $2,500. Hosting service, right? So you're you're claiming, well, I'm going to make a hundred thousand in profit a year. It's like that isn't business. Most business, you're not going to make a profit for three years. So you just have to to buckle down and say, okay, I'm not going to probably make a profit my first year, and I'm certainly not going to make a six figure profit. And then three, four, five years down the road, then then I'll hit it big. And that's the mistake people make is they'll, they'll say, you know, somebody will hit it big. And then you hear about him. Oh, wow, this guy, you know, made it big. Mm. No, no, no. But he was obscure for a while. Or even with Gary V, he has great stuff. I'm not hating him, but most people don't know his family owned a wine business and gave it to him. So mm. Gary, you know, Gary V is, Oh yeah, the hustle, the struggle. Well, I can tell you too, as somebody who, before I went online, I had money from, you know, I had money. The, the hustle and struggle is a lot easier when you're not worried about paying your bills this month, mm. right? If you're like, oh man, I need 1200 bucks to pay my rent. How am I going to do that? Yeah. And, you know, you're this, in debt. Yeah. Yeah. Now you're freaking out. Your mind's in a bad place. You, you, that's a different mode. And so when rich guys talk about the hustle and the struggle, there is not the struggle. The struggle is real. No, it isn't. It isn't. It's just mm. a lot. I've been poor. I grew up poor. I know what it's like to be poor. I know what it's like to be cash flow, like crazy rich. And I know what it's like to be in between. So, oh, yeah, the struggle. No, it is. You're not struggling. You're not struggling. <laughs> Come on. You have, yeah, you have a huge cash cushion. And that's what most of these people who do well on the Internet did. They already had that cash. And they started off as hobbyists. And then they got bigger. And now they're telling all these you know, younger people. Well, Gary Vee isn't, to his credit. But – a lot of them are saying, oh, quit your job, go all in. No, 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 they're lying. And then the other one is just the the e-commerce scam, the drop shipping scam. There's always like a new trend. So the if trend you used buy to be, my program. Yeah. <laughs> it was a while ago. It was you can get rich on a blog. And then it was you can get rich self-publishing. And now the trend is you can get rich doing drop shipping. Mm. And I've been to Chiang Mai. I've lived in Chiang Mai. I know all these guys, and they're not rich. I know what people are doing. The people who are rich on the internet either are selling very high margin products, like Grant Cardone, high ticket, high ticket events, high mm -hmm. ticket courses, thousand dollar tickets, because you're screening out. You know, you're screening out. That's another lesson too. I wish people knew is that I wish I'd learned earlier is. Uh, selling a ten dollar ebook is as hard as selling a hundred dollar masterclass. Mm, that's a good that. one. That's a good one. You would one, think yeah. it's ten times as hard. It's no, it's not. It's it's the same. Mike, I don't know if I want to buy your ebook. It's nine dollars. I make five dollars and 
82 cents a book. I'm not going to spend 10 minutes to sell you on my book. Go on to Amazon for my masterclass. <laughs> yeah. I keep it affordable because I grew up poor. It's like, it's $99. I'm not going to spend 20 minutes to sell you on a $100 book. Because again, do the math or a class. Like I'm going to spend 20 minutes. So you maybe buy a hundred dollars, mm. maybe, and you probably won't. But if you're selling a thousand dollar class or a $2,000 class or a $10,000 ticket, okay, mm. I'll talk to you for 20, 30 minutes about that because it's about how you're, how you're leveraging your time. So it's always funny. People say like, sell me on your book. No, no, you can read the reviews on Amazon. Mm. Oh, blowing me off. No, I'm not blowing people off. I just don't have, first of all, there's 1200 reviews on Amazon. Okay. If you, if you need your handheld to buy 990 and then there's another thing too, which is a lesson is you don't want some people in your market. I don't mm. want people who agonize over a nine ninety nine book yeah. market. I just don't want them. So people are like, "Oh, no, I don't want you." You don't sell out, Mike. Yeah. <laughs> or I, I even let people torn it. I tell people go torn it, and if you like it, then go buy it on Amazon. Go then go give me your. But I'm not going to sell you or answer a bunch of questions <laughs> for for ten dollars sale, or even for a hundred dollars sale, or even for a couple hundred dollars sale. But yeah, if we're talking, you know, so that's the, the Grant Cardone and those guys who are really killing is you have to have really high ticket events. So for me, when I had a, I like a big event in New York. Um, I don't know. Time flies. A year and a half ago, whatever it was, mm. and we, you know, the tickets were expensive. So in that case, sure, if I'm selling a VIP ticket for twenty five hundred dollars. I'm, I'll talk to you, right? You want to know what your perks are, or whatever. But I'm not going to to do that for other things. So that's just a lesson. Again, people people have to learn. Mm, yeah, and I also think that um, a lot of people, especially like in the advertising space, know that it's way easier to make the ads work if you uh, sell high ticket stuff than if you are selling like ten or twenty bucks uh, ebooks or, or something like that. Well, it isn't. It isn't that it's easier. Is that the math works mm, again? Just yeah, math. Okay. Like yeah, tattoo yeah. that in your skull. Math, mm. which is if I'm selling a Gorilla Mindset ebook for nine ninety nine, nine dollars in ads isn't going to lead me to a book sale mm. because reaching and conversion it isn't. Yeah. So so you don't you don't buy ads for ebooks. What you, but you would buy ads for a higher ticket item because let's say you're selling a, an, an item for $1,000. Well, you'd spend a couple hundred bucks because it cost, to, to cost to acquire a customer on Facebook is between $50 and $125 depending on your industry. So if you're selling a gym membership for $40 a month, hey, $50 bucks is a good deal. $125 is a good deal. If you're selling a ticket like Grant Cardone for the 10X conference – Okay, cool. You're you're selling minimum ticket is a thousand dollars. You'll spend five hundred dollars to get that sale, right? Mm. You'll, you'll no problem at all. So you really that's why a lot of these people who are on um, the ads their ads get annoying because they spend a ton of money. School of Greatness. That guy probably spent several hundred thousand dollars on it. Um, Qualia, that like mental nootropic or whatever, which yeah. is so so. If you go, you can actually see how much they spent on ads. They have a, they did a crowdfund for their equity. They spent a million dollars a quarter. They're spending three million dollars a year on advertising, right? But so they are probably making a lot of money. <laughs> well, they were breaking even at first because there's mm. a lifetime value customer. Yeah. But, but if you're selling, they sell subscriptions. So if you're selling people a subscription to an eighty dollar a month bottle 
of whatever brain pills and you know that most people are going to subscribe for 10 months okay that's $800 okay so if you spend $400 to buy to get that customer and your margins allow it that's a good deal but there again they're spending millions of dollars Lewis mm-hmm. Howell School of Greatness millions of dollars uh, conservative commentator Ben Shapiro he spent millions of dollars early on in his ads now you hardly ever see their ads but to really acquire a large amount of customers, we're talking mid six figures minimum. If you really want to go hard on Facebook, seven figures to where James Altucher spent probably $30 million on Facebook ads. No joke. Once you count the ad agency and everything, because remember, uh... you couldn't avoid their ads. So what people do is you have, if you're selling high volume or high margin product, like an e-course, mm-hmm. like a thousand bucks, then you'll do the ad spends because if you're selling, again, a digital course, once you make it, the costs are just deliverable, right? A thousand bucks. Yeah. If you're spending $800 to get one person to buy your course, you, that's $200 profit, right? You're doing well. Mm-hmm. But those are the numbers. And that's how I know these e-commerce people are scammers. Like, oh, yeah, buy $100 in Facebook ads. What do you, you, no, you wouldn't. That's $3,000 a month. You're, you're going to lose your money, actually, unless it's a really high margin product your margins have to be in so again your 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 listeners are going to get driven crazy by me but it's just math math Mm. it can't stop saying it math you're not going to buy ads to sell a ten dollar thing or twenty dollar thing fifty dollar thing you're going to buy ads to sell uh, five figure products or four figure products and then it makes sense but then you have to buy a lot of ads to reach the customers Mm. but mike um I think we both agree on that, that I know a lot of people that are making a killing online, like with digital product products and, and courses and, and ebooks and stuff like that. Like, for instance, even big brands like Tony Robbins, for instance, like he's like also like in the info business. So, um, yeah. Could you please speak to that? Well, he has been around for 30 years. Mm. Right. So there's the count. There's a compounding effect too. Grant Cardone. He looks great. He stays in shape, probably does TRT, very well manicured, well groomed. He's in his 60s, bro. Yeah. So it isn't like Grant Cardone is some 30-year-old guy who started a blog the other day. This guy has been doing this for 30 years. Mm. So you can't, you can't, so they're killing it now, but that's because that's because they compound. So same thing with Ryan Holiday in book sales. He's he's on his, I don't know, eighth book, ninth book. It compounds over time, and then some books don't do as well as others, but over time, it works out. Same thing with Tony Robbins. He's been around for, I think, 40 years, right? He's mm. in the 70s. And you can't – so you can't compare what people are doing after 40 years. Most of these young guys who claim to kill it online, they're not. They're doing um, – they have a good year and they make six figures, but then they've saturated their niche. So they found everybody in a certain niche, and then they have one or two really good years, and then they kind of – have decent years after that which is fine i mean uh, there's nothing there's nothing wrong with that but if you're only looking at the first year numbers or you're not getting a picture of because everybody's hot that's like the it thing everybody's at that blog that's a big blog everybody reads it but what happens when people cool down are they expanding most of the time they aren't Mm. so um one of the biggest traps to avoid 
is thinking that you are making like uh, 100k per year right out of, right out of, uh, out of the gate. So um, that this would be like the first big thing in your opinion. So what is what are the other traps that people should avoid? The other traps that people should avoid are like almost all of them. Mm. There's the perilous trap of your hours spent doing something that you're not that good at where mm, people don't want to admit they're not advice. that good at there are things that i'm better at than others so i focus on what you're really good at and there's there's always been a debate do you build up your weaknesses or you lean into your strengths mm. and you can kind of do a little bit of both you don't ever want to be so weak that you can't do something altogether but you should lean into your strengths so for me, I'm very effective at what I do, so I lean into it. When it comes to like vlogging or something, I am, hey, hey, hey I'm waking <laughs> up, I mean, muffins, the Casey Neistat thing or whatever. That's just, I'm not going to, the time I would spend trying to do that is not going to convert well. And, you know, <laughs> here I am on my scooter, look at me, I'm so cool and zany and everything. Just not going to work. And... <sighs> That's fine. You don't have to be KC or whoever. You yeah. have to be yourself and you want to lean into your strengths. But you should know how to edit video. You should know the, all the rudimentary skills involved with being online. Mm. So so um, what are the other traps in your opinion? Or maybe you could also speak about like um, the practical stuff in the book. Of course, like avoiding traps is also practical. But please speak to that, Mike. Well, the practical steps in the book are – do you number one is do you have a burning passion? I forget where that comes from, but one of the old old school books, I think Think and Grow Rich. Do you have a burning passion to share a message? Burning do you passion. have a burning passion to share a message? If no, go do something else. Go do something else because you're going to be obscure for a long time. And if you think, oh, why am I not famous? I only get 50 likes on this. I only get 100 likes on this. Well, if you have a burning passion to share a message, then you're like, oh, wow, 50 people saw this. Man, that's pretty cool. You know, we're plugging along. 100 people listening here. All right, we're going because it's, it's a passion. Mm. And otherwise, the grind of not getting noticed, not being relevant, not taking off, not making any money is going to wear you down. And then you find out you just wasted a year and a half of your life on – this you know this online crap and you never never really hit it big uh second mm. so one would be don't if you unless you have a burning passion where you just you're driving your friends crazy at parties right like when i when i was in college or whatever dude i read this book it's so amazing and like people don't read books so i was just like i would walk around books reading everywhere and I'm like, okay, people don't want to talk about books, at least in real life. That's how I found the internet. I like to talk about books. I like to talk about mindset, the gym, success, killing it at life. Most people in real life don't like to talk about it. Maybe 1% yeah. of people do, but on the internet, you can find that 1%. So for me, I just started writing and goofing off because it was like I had to get it out of my system, right? So mm. for me, it's never work. I never thought I'm going to be famous one day. People are going to recognize me on the street, stop and take selfies, Da, 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 da. That was never it. I was just like, man, I, I got to get this out. I can't sit still unless I talk about this. And then I get it out there and I'm like, okay, good. I feel good. And then I go back to, to doing my life and then it hits off. But if I'd gone into this to try to make money, 
I would have been like, dude, this is the dumbest thing in the world because I've had other jobs that pay real money. Like, what are you doing? Go. Well, I would be selling real estate, mm. right? High margin products. I'd be number one real estate agent or something like that rather than spend, you know, number one lawyer rather than spend all this time in a way that's just not going to make money. But if you were, if it's like a burning passion, uh, you know, you have that yearning inside yourself, then I just always looked at it like, well, I mean, a lot of people, they play golf on the weekends. I blog, I write. That's just, I mean, I'm not spending money. Maybe I'll make 50 bucks this month. Woohoo. Most people are paying green fees and everything or, you know, shooting guns. A lot of people like to shoot guns and stuff. I do too, but that's a hundred bucks. Yeah. You're, expensive. You're in Germany, but in America, you can just go get an AR-15 and shoot rounds, but it's 20 cents a round. So, you know, you know, good day on the range. You want to do a couple <laughs> hundred rounds, right? Do the math. Yeah. Yeah. So, and then you clean the weapon and everything. So for me, I just viewed it as, wow, I got to get this out of my system. Mm. And then, and then it happened that I, you know, stumbled upon the, the infrastructure. So you need two things. And that's why audacity is broken into two parts. One is you got to have the de- burning desire, the mindset. And then two is then you do have to have infrastructure. So mm. let's say you do have, like, I just can't shut up about this. <laughs> I just love to talk about books. Okay, we'll start a book club. Well, how do you start a book club? Well, you start a blog and you write a book review. Well, how do you write a book review? Well, here's how you write a book review. This is the way to write a book review. Write your because me, I have my own style of book reviews. I don't do the the kind of way that most book reviews are 250 words. Me, I I write about this book. I compare it to another book I read. Then I share 10 favorite quotes from the book, and then I contextualize it with something else. That's my style. People like that. I invented that, right? But anybody can copy it. Hmm. So people people like that style of book review. So you do need to learn. Okay, well then you obviously need a domain. You need to know how to think of a name that that people are going to remember. You need to know how to to get a domain. You need to get a hosting thing. You don't need thousand dollar a month hosting, ten dollars or fifteen dollars on Bluehost, yeah. Sharehost or Hostgator or wherever is fine. So okay, don't don't buy uh, you know CDN and everything. Just buy a cheap cheap domain. Go buy a domain, ten bucks. Google sells them with privacy, thirteen dollars a year. Go by hosting 10 bucks a is integrated actually. I think Bluehost is integrated with Google Domains now. Okay, so 25 bucks now. You got a blog. Oh, okay. Now I would feel like I want to talk about it. I want to start a podcast. Okay, great. You can here's a mic you can buy. It's 50 bucks. Plug it into Audacity. Okay, now I'm doing a book review podcast. Okay. So I want to have guests now. Okay, well, here's like you and I, you know, me and Hardy are on Skype. Okay, now you need to know how to buy Skype. You need to know how to do a call, mm. but you're just you're leveling up gradually. So you do need to know the infrastructure. You do need to know nuts and bolts. You do need to know how to start an email list and have email opt-ins and pop-ups. And what if I don't know how to do that? We need to know how to go to Upwork, which used to be called Elance, and get a freelancer and how to pay people. So if you have the burning desire, if you have the message, Mm. part one. Part two, you still need all the nuts and bolts. Oh, and then you want to start a business. Okay, well, you you need to know a little bit of accounting. You need to know a little bit about cash flow. You need to know a little bit about margins. You need to get a little bit about payment processing. Oh, I want to do a subscriber-only podcast. Okay, great. Yeah. You need a payment processor. You need to get people on subscriptions. What if there's a chargeback? Right? So you you do need both. And again, that's why there's never been a book that just laid it all out. So you need the passion and the infrastructure, basically. Yes. So um, I think another big trap. You need the that, will. Yeah. So you need the will, and then the means and the methods. Mm. You got to want to do it. Yeah, you have to want to do it, and 
if you want to do it, that's not enough. It's got to have the means and the methods. Here's what you do. Here's how to make it happen. Yeah, and I think um, another big trap that people fall into is they always are trying to focus on the new shiny object. Like, oh, I could make money with this and that. Oh, and I could make money with this and that. And um, they're never really benefiting from from compound interest, so to speak. So well, yeah. they're and they're not built. You know, talent. Scott Adams calls it talent stacking. Where, okay, I just tell everybody, learn how to set up a blog. Just everybody should know how to do it. Just right now, in, in 20 minutes, I could set up a blog. Mm. So everybody should know how to do that. And then, if you want to do a podcast, learn how to edit in Audacity. Doesn't take that long. Here's how you record a podcast. You can watch the sound waves as you talk. Yeah. You can see gaps. Okay. Noise cancellation, compressor, uh, bass and treble equalization. But like even with you, like we did that earlier podcast, mm. and then you said, "How did you have it on your page in 10 minutes?" I had it yeah. on. Yeah. Right? <laughs> right? Really fast. Really, yeah. really fast. It was like, whoosh. Kansas guy, like yeah. So you, you, you learn the skills how to do it. It's like, okay, you know, we did a podcast. Here it is. Cross platforms, yeah. small channels, you know, screenshot, thumbnail, boom. Well, it's, it's like up. in record time. So <laughs> yeah, but you know, that's like black belt. You don't learn that. You, you know, you first learn how to throw a punch or a judo throw or something. Yeah. You know? I, I need, I, I need one hour or something. <laughs> and that's fine. But right. But that's the idea though, is you're, you're leveling up, you're leveling up your talent, you're leveling up your skills. And at, then as you go on, then, so It turns back to though everybody needs to have a blog. Kim Kardashian has a website, some mm. kind of e-commerce store. Go to my.com, right? People get so dependent on social media, everything I do. And we're back, Mike Cernovich, Cernovich.com, C-E-R-N-O-V-I-C-H.com. So if you ever wonder what happened to me, oh, he's not on this, just go to Cernovich.com. Mm -hmm. There's a website, read it. And then if I wanted to launch an e-commerce store, I could just embed an e-commerce store right there, right? If yeah. I wanted to sell handbags or gorilla t-shirts or something, I got people on your site. That's the key, though, is even if you're on social media, every day you want to be getting people to your website, your website. And you want to give them social media, too, to keep them scrolling and everything like that. But you want people to remember, like, here's your website. Get them there. Content is king. And the blog is king of kings. Mm, like uh, speaking about uh, stickiness, so to speak, um, The, the doctor Carmen Simon also wants to hop on the show. Yeah, you know her book. Um, what was it called? Um, you oh, recommended. Impossible to ignore. Yeah, 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 yeah. So yeah. Right. That's the idea. Is your it, when you're doing a, so you your this is her book is like really advanced. It's like really level up. Where most people, I'm afraid of public speaking. Right. So you got to be afraid of public speaking. And then you get better, and then you think, okay, people are listening. Sorry, sorry to interrupt, but could you please also introduce the uh, talent stack from Scott Adams from for everybody who isn't familiar with it? Yeah, so Scott Adams, what I love about him is he says things that are directionally true, where he, but he makes up numbers. So he'll say every skill you learn doubles your chances of success, right? <laughs> and okay, but the sentiment is true, which is, let's say, I always say, let's just say you know how to give a speech. Mm. Warren Buffett said the best thing he ever did was he took a Dale Carnegie public speaking course. Before Toastmasters, that was like the big thing. They might still have them. So you can speak. N nobody's saying knock it out of the park, but you can speak. Scott Adams talks about it in his book. 
Okay. You learn how to speak. Public speaking, you get over the public, the fear. That's one talent you have now. People mm. say talent. Yes, it's a skill. They used to call it skill set. That was the buzzword 20 years ago when I was on the job market. Skill set, talent stack, call it what you will. So you have one talent, one skill. You can give a speech. Okay, well, what if you can give a speech and you know how to edit videos? Now mm. you have two skills. So rather than I'm going to give a speech at Toastmasters to 10 people who pay to come to Toastmasters, I'm now giving a speech to the internet. So I'm going to reach maybe 100 people because now you can edit videos. Mm. Do you see? So now you mm. now you have – what if you know how to speak, edit videos, and add music, right? Okay, mm. now you got to – now you have better production value. Okay, now you can speak, you can edit videos, you can add music, you can do graphics, or and you can or you know the specific um, selling. So if you can speak, it's nice to give a speech. Rah, you're hyped up. But selling is about call to action. Mm. Hey, like you like this speech, you like what I have to say. Go get my masterclass. Go buy this. Go to my web. Some call to action because you're learning how to close. Because mm. closing and sales is a specific talent. Because if you're closing a sale, you're overcoming objections. So then you learn how to sell, and now you learn how to write, and now you can do what's called copywriting. Mm. Very important. Very selling. important. Right. So for me, if I want to sell you something, because I know how to sell and I know how to write, I know you're going to have objections. Mm. Oh, but you're probably thinking this. You shouldn't do this because of that. And then I'm overcoming objections yeah. because you learn when you learn how to sell, people have objections, cost too much. Okay, well, that person's worried about value or maybe give them a payment plan, right? There's ways to overcome mm -hmm. it. Wife won't let me buy it. Okay, well, then you want to bully them a little bit and say, oh, you know, well, if you just want to let your wife decide your life for you, then you should just not even be here. Anyway, right? You just you learn how to overcome objections and you learn what the most common objections are. And boom, now you can copyright and now you're doing video. So that's. Offline and online. Mm. But selling, you're going to do online or in person. Speaking, you're going to do in person or online. It's just distribution, how you reach people. Now you're cooking. Okay, then you learn the talent stack of fashion, skill, how to dress, look nice, sharp. You're standing out. Okay, so now you know how to dress for your body type. You know how to have a haircut proper for your head. You know how to, that's another skill, right? Fashion. You're mm. adding that. So now you're. Dress nice, look sharp, you know how to talk, da, 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 da. Everything then compounds. So by the time you're done with it, you're a machine mm. versus you just know one area or one aspect. Mm. Yeah, and also could you please speak to, to, to what you have learned um, from, from, from uh, Dr. Simon? From Impossible to Ignore. Yeah, message, yeah, yeah, yeah. The message of, of her book is – If you're persuading people, not entertaining, which are different. Hmm. So if you're entertaining people, thank you for coming to my TED Talk. Have a nice day. Everybody's like, oh, I liked it. I liked that. It was a good one. If you're persuading people, though, you have to focus on what they're going to remember. Hmm. So when you're giving a talk or a speech, rather than just you want it to be good and entertaining and whatnot, but you want people to remember certain aspects of your speech because they're not going to remember it all. If you talk for an hour, they're going to remember four or five bullet points. So if you're giving a presentation, there's a way to present things. If you want people to remember a point about something, then there's a way to word it, to reframe it, to fold it back in, 
to return back in. The old method that you learn in the army and probably most public speaking is tell them what you're going to tell them, tell them, tell them what you told them, right? Mm, that can be <laughs> I like this one. <laughs> yeah, that can be a little rote. Uh, today we're going to talk about X, Y, and Z. Here's X, Y, and Z. Thank you for learning X, Y, and Z. That can be a little boring, but in, in memory is primacy, recency. That's what you're going to remember. Mm. So you and I, we've been talking for 45 minutes as of this point. People are going to remember the first part they listened to. So if they listen to the first five minutes, that's what they're going to hear more. If they jumped right in halfway, that's what they're going to remember. And then they're going to remember with whatever you close with. Mm. And so going in, you're being very purposeful. Okay, what do I what do I want people to know? What do I want people to remember as they walk away or as they leave this. And this is, of course, where you fold things in. Or if you notice earlier where I repeated them. So when I said, oh, if you're learning a talent stack, you learn public speaking. You learn video editing. You learn audio production. You learn graphics. You learn sales. See, so I was actually reminding people what I told them because that was a significant way for them to understand the importance of building on your current skills. And that, and then that becomes purposeful. So you think, well, what do I want people to remember? So even when I do a podcast, I'll have running in my head bullet bullet points in my head. Okay, you talked about this. Make sure you remind people of that point because that's the walk away or that's the takeaway from the podcast or the discussion or the speech or whatever. Yeah. So so um, let's get back to your book. So um, like the key takeaway from Audacity is that people should find their burning passion and they need the infrastructure to really build their brand and, and their business like long term. Yeah, you need to know both. You, you need to know both. So for mm. you, like if you do a podcast, if you have your podcast transcribed, one, I would say, you know, this is old, old hat kind of stuff, yeah. but. Just something that you would know or want to know is, okay, I have a podcast. You can listen to it. I have them transcribed. If you want to read the transcript, sign up for my email list. Mm. And then every time I do a podcast, I'll email you because you need to build an email list. But that's something that a and, lot and of Let's talk about that because I think building a list is like so, so important. So uh, <laughs> we haven't addressed it. So Email list fell out of favor among another among a lot of people, myself included, because so before social media changed. So it used to be that if you were on Twitter and I had 10,000 followers, mm. if I clicked a link to my website, I would get over 1,000 clicks over every time. So I was like, who needs an email list? I actually have better click-through rates on, on um, social right media. Yeah. But then the social media companies realized, well, wait, we don't want people to leave our sites to your site. So then they deranked uh, links in the algorithm. So then you would just not get that many click throughs. Or if it's Facebook, they just load the whole thing in Facebook. So people don't even click to your site. They click on the link and they read it within the body of Facebook. So now everybody's kind of confined into it. So that was um, that was a, a definitely kind of a rookie error. And that's talked about in in the book, which is email is never going anywhere the only thing better than email is a text message mm. so if you can get people to sign up for your your email and your text distribution list even better but no matter what i don't know what's going to come out tomorrow but whatever comes out tomorrow it will not be better for email mm. better than any yeah and 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 why do you think that it fell so much out of favor 
because I think that nobody really talks about it. Like the the old guys, um, such as or the veterans, such as uh, Frank Kern, they really love to emphasize uh, building an email list. But but most people don't really talk about building an email list. So right, because if you're new, the only thing you've ever known was social media. Mm. And if you're old, like Frank Kern, the only thing you've ever known mm. is email. Yeah, it makes Me, sense. I've, I've known both worlds. So if you're young, you're like an email list. And that's, again, why people have to read Audacity is, what's an email list and why should I care? Well, here's what it is. And here's why you should care. And again, these a lot of these algorithmic changes were new. So it used to be if you had a Facebook page, 100,000 people followed it, and you'd posted something, 20,000 people would see it. Yeah. Then Facebook de-boosted everybody, not just political, everybody. So now maybe 3,000 people see it, and then you have to buy ads for your own people who liked your page. To see. That's why Facebook is worth $500 billion, because all of us chumps went on there. Digital sharecroppers, one person calls it. We all went on there because at first it worked great. You're like, oh, wow, I have 10,000 people on my page. I post something, and I have thousands of people talking about it because Facebook would send everybody your stuff. And then Facebook goes, well, now that you're here and you've worked a couple thousand hours for us, we're going to change the rules and you're not going to reach more than 3% of your people. So then you, mm. now you have to buy ads. You have to pay Facebook for work that you've done for free already and that you're doing for free already to reach your own people. Whereas with email, you, you're just that direct contact is still there. Now, that said, email doesn't work as well as it used to because just so many spam emails and mm. everything else on so me i don't open maybe 10 percent of the emails but it's still a very viable very strong distribution channel mm. yeah and i think that um like if if you're if you're a beginner it's really really also important to to think about like email marketing because like changing the headline can totally totally change your open rates that's like and if you double your open rates you just doubled your business so um yeah and then there's a b testing there's a yeah, lot of things that you please can speak do to and, that a b testing is like important for everything in life so <laughs> yeah yeah a b testing is you if you have a big enough email list and it doesn't even have to be that big a thousand people two thousand people they'll your email list provider, you can do two different headlines, two different email subject matters, and then they'll send 100 people A, 100 people B, and whichever gets the most opens or clicks or whatever call to action you want, then they'll send out the other 800 emails with that winning subject line. Mm -hmm. Facebook is the same way. You run an ad, you run two different images. Okay, that image gets more clicks. Then your ad spending is directed automatically to, to that picture. And yeah, then you learn to tweak it. But another point of my book starting off is people shouldn't be getting lost in the weeds on headline testing. Because mm. if you're sending an email to 200 people and you're going to spend eight hours to find the right headline, <laughs> you're still only reaching 200 people, yeah. right? Whereas you could do – the people f fell into this habit, oh, I'm going to write the perfect blog post. Well, write a good blog post or a very good blog post. Write five a week. Five a week is going to be better than one a week. That's great. So five good ones a week is better than one that's great. So Seth Godin, for example, some of his blogs are just throw away. 250, mm. you know, 300 words. But people yeah. are going to a site every day. Oh, what's he on his mind today? And some things resonate, some things don't. And if you have a lot of stuff on your website. Eventually. Like, I don't like that, but I like that. Versus, oh, I'm going to write a masterpiece. Okay, but people still have to find your masterpiece. 
how many years are you willing to wait for people to find that one? Because I've done it both ways. I purposefully would edit minimum 40 times every blog post. And you know what happened? Nothing. I just mm. bet because now and then people, oh, do you have a typo in your post? I know I have typos. And I know <laughs> the typos have nothing to do with any kind of measure. I don't sell fewer books. I don't get fewer readers. But I do know that if I spend three hours editing every typo, again, math, that's three yeah. hours. I could have been doing something else. I could have done another blog post in that three hours. So mm. people say, oh, you have to edit everything precise. No, actually, you don't. You don't want it to be you know, garbage. But if you have a typo every now and then, do you really want to spend yeah. your time? Do you want to A-B test an email to 500 people? Maybe if you can do it quickly, mm. but you don't want to think because you're not at scale. Now, yeah. at scale, I mean, is if you have a million readers, a 5% open rate difference is thousands of people, mm. right? But then you're like, okay, I need to. Maybe uh, this makes sense. Yeah. Yeah, that's right. If that's fifty thousand people, right? Yeah. So that's worth your time. But if you have five hundred people reading you, ten mm. percent improvement is what? Fifty? Fifty people, maybe? How much time? Yeah. More time do you want to spend for fifty people? You can use that time that you're tweaking things. Work a part-time job at McDonald's. No joke. Take the money from McDonald's and buy an ad. And you would actually get more people to read you by working at McDonald's four hours and buying 50 or 60 bucks in ads than you would agonizing over the stuff all the time. So, and that's another part we talk about too is if you're – if you have – like someone like you, if you have a good library or catalog already, then that's when you want to start thinking about buying ads hmm. because you're like, okay, maybe you know – Maybe you want to run 20 bucks a day, 30 bucks a day, just kind of see what happens because now you have this big backlog. Mm. But if you're brand new, why are you going to buy an ad? So people can go to your website and read two blog posts. 90% of people never return to your website, right? Mm. But if you have 200 podcasts, well-organized show notes, or even in your case, 100 podcasts, well-organized show notes, detailed, you have everything else dialed in, then yeah, it's worth uh, 25 bucks a day. Mm. Just trying to find your demo and you know, finding the right people and getting maybe an extra hundred people a day on your blog, that that'll that'll compound over time. Long too. term, yeah. Yeah, but people talking about Facebook ads, few blog posts, that's crazy. <laughs> and I think also that uh, analysis by by par paralysis or, or how is it called? It's like also like a really really important topic because like so so many people, especially in my age, I know so many people that are messaging me or, or, or just uh, yeah like like telling me like oh I want to start a business and oh I want to start this and that and they're reading everything online they're spending like so much time online watching youtube videos watching uh, listening to podcasts and they are never 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 taking action so um i, I think we haven't addressed that today and we must so <laughs> please speak to that mike yeah and then i have to take a phone call about my uh, sure. movie so we have yeah. yeah people they spend way too much time way too much time in the weeds don't get in the weeds mm. if you learn how to write learn how to read <laughs> don't get in the weeds focus on those 80 20 moves the real bank for the buck kind of stuff take action and i gotta go thank you <laughs> so so do, do one do we want to stop this or 
Yeah, yeah. I have to go take a call um, about host. Mm, so okay. I have a conference call scheduled mm, right now okay. that I have to go take. Uh, okay, because at the end I always ask guy five quick questions, but um. Okay, go for it. Yeah. I have two minutes yeah. left. Yeah. Oh. Okay. Um, so, Mike, could you please tell everybody where can they connect with you on the social webs and so on and so forth? Best place to go is Cernovich.com, C-E-R-N-O-V-I-C-H.com. Got it. So um, the first out of the five question is, what are the three books that had the greatest influence on your life? How to Win Friends and Influence People or maybe How to Stop Worrying and, uh, how to stop worrying and Start Living, The Art of War, and The Great Dialogues of Plato. Mm. The second question is, what are the three movies that you have enjoyed the most? Pumping Iron, A Bronx Tale, and those are the only two that come to mind. Mm. So the third question and hoaxed, is... And hoaxed movie, my movie. <laughs> the third question is, what is the most useful product or service that you have bought in recent memory? This uh, quality uh, facial serum. I happen to use one from GorillaMind.com, G-O-R-L-L-A-M-I-N-D.com. But a good facial serum is incredible. And I also, I think Tim Ferriss wrote about this. I've started adding a can of sardines into my food. And it's definitely helped my skin and hair. So uh, a good facial serum and a can of sardines <laughs> will go a long way, especially if you're my age 41. So the fourth out of the five question is, um, what are the most important realizations you've had in the last couple of years? That you can rechange how you conceive things and that the way you define situations determines how you feel about those situations. Mm. So we talked earlier about failure. I don't want to fail. I don't want you to fail. But failure is inevitable. And if you do fail, then you do want to reconceptualize that as a growth experience. I didn't mm -hmm. fail. I grew. The same thing, too, is when you're frustrated, don't get frustrated. Treat it as like a puzzle. So the last question for the day is, what would you tell your 20-year-old self? I wrote a whole article on that at Cernovich.com. But the number one thing I would tell is what we've talked about. You can reframe and reconceptualize everything that happens to you. And that's how you control your own destiny. And that's how you control your reality. Mm. Mike? Thanks again for being on the show. It was fun talking to you today. My so. pleasure. We'll do it again. I got to get to my daughter. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Right, see. So, see ya.